0: Hi, everyone. I hope you and yours are feeling healthy and well during this coronavirus pandemic. For this episode and the foreseeable upcoming episodes, the podcast is going to have a more raw and unpolished sound. Our dear friend and amazing podcast producer, Catherine, is suffering from the effects of the coronavirus. In addition, her neighborhood has been severely impacted. And as you know, we're located in the Hot bed, New York State, and we are suffering over here. And unfortunately, she is suffering. So, we're going to have a different sound. Please bear with us and please keep her in your thoughts. Please send good energy Catherine's way. And um, I'm sending good energy to all of you out there. All right, here's the episode. A high end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. Hi, everybody. How are you doing in this brave new world? I hope you're feeling good. I hope your friends and family are well. There's so many scary things going on that it feels really good to keep in touch, even if it's over the airwaves, even if we're social distancing by listening to podcasts rather than working together in person. But um, I can tell you that for me, having a podcast during this time has helped me to feel more connected. I am an extrovert. I love hanging out with friends, with strangers. I love chatting. I love connecting. It really gives me a ton of energy. So I've been feeling pretty low over these past few weeks. And perhaps you have, too. So hopefully listening to a podcast helps you to feel connected, because I know when I listen to my favorite podcast, whether it's Struggle Boss, Keith and the Girl, Real Crime Profile, The Pitch, I feel like those people are my friends are my connection. I look to them in times of difficulty, but also just in my day to day life. They're a part of, of my week. And hopefully I can be that for you guys, I've gotten so many great questions. If you have a question that you want me to answer, if your space is driving you crazy, or there's something that you're just trying to figure out, please send me your questions, send me your pictures to info at design.com. As you know, this month I'm launching affordable interior design TV. So you'll want to head over to youtube.com and check that out. Uh, Lots of cool stuff going on over here as I'm finally sort of slowly crawling out of my depressed funk and deciding that being creative could be potentially fulfilling during this time right? I thought for a while, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to do so many creative things now that I have so much free time on my hands. Now that I'm not making money, now that my business is screeched to a halt and so much has screeched to a halt. But I found that I was really too blue to hop on the airwaves and talk about much. And now I'm finally with the spring, with the rhythm of homeschooling, I'm finally able to emerge and, um, and feel somewhat sane, even if I'm still sheltering in place. All right, guys, let's get to the questions that have come in. The first one I got is from Monica. Monica writes, hello, Betsy. I just discovered your podcast. Oh, wait, guys, guys. What I see now on Facebook, what I am living for is people sharing binge-worthy shows. Because I've run out of TV shows. So I'm on Amazon Prime. I'm DVRing things. I'm looking for any content, anyhow, anyway. I watch like four hours of TV a night now. And uh, maybe your friends are looking for content. I would love for you to spread the word about this podcast. If you've recently discovered it or if you've been listening for years, please stop and take a moment to share this with friends. It really does make a huge difference, not only in our visibility, but also our prosperity. The more listeners we get, the more that advertisers might be interested, the more that people sign up for the premium version of this podcast where you get your questions answered first and get access to our bonus archive of nearly 70 podcasts right now. So please, please don't hesitate to spread the word because it truly is what keeps us relevant and what keeps us going week after week. Tell your friends, we're all looking for content to binge right now. All right, back to your question, Monica, I digress. Um, You write, I am a classical musician restoring a 1905 American four square colonial house in Southern California. This was my first home and it's been a rental for years while I moved to the suburbs to raise four kids. Now as an empty nester, I'm at long last doing a whole house renovation to make it my forever home. I would love advice on how to set up my music room. This room will be in use every day for individual and chamber music rehearsals, and even some little parties. The music room will be in the front room as you enter the foyer. Here's my dilemma. There is no great place for family or friends to be cozy and sit and listen. The wall to the right seems to be the only free space. Should I set a settee, couch, or low window seat in front of the large bank of windows? It seems a shame to obstruct these pretty original windows with their wavy glass. The far wall will feature my beloved, black, glossy baby grand piano, and there will need to be music stands and instruments in the corner, so there is no room for even a small accent chair on that wall. But to the left, there will be a set of French drawers opposite the bank of windows that will lead into a family room. I suppose we could open the French doors so people could listen to us from the other room. But a lot of people like to watch a string quartet in action and preferably they don't want to be sprawled out on this floor while doing so. All right. So you have another question, but let me start with this one. So yes, I mean, when rooms are small, you don't want to ask too much of them. You don't want to overburden them. And if you were just having these concerts once a month, well, I'd tell you not to worry about it, to fully devote this room to music. And then you could bring in chairs from the family room or the dining space when you are having those concerts. But because you have concerts so regularly, which actually sounds quite amazing, uh, because you have concerts so regularly, you really do sound like you need some seating in here. I don't mind at all blocking windows with seating. In fact, it's usually crucial to cover at least part of the window with seating. You'll still be able to see out the window, typically a seating piece, whether it's a sofa or chair, is not higher than 36 inches from the floor to the top of the back. So it's really not going to conceal that much as most of us have 96 inch ceilings, right? From the floor to the ceiling, it's 96 inches is what I mean to say. So you're still going to see a lot out that window. You'll still see your wavy glass and you'll give people a place to sit that's comfortable because while you could load this space up with poofs and ottomans and backless seating that wouldn't. Go over the bottom of the window ledge. Should you do that? sitting on those types of backless seats is not comfortable. And maybe I'll listen to one song on a poof, but I'm not listening to a concert on something that doesn't have a back. So I think a small sofa or love seat or a settee that has a ben- uh, back or even a bench, right? That could be quite narrow, but maybe have a cushion on the bottom. All of these would be amazing solutions for this room because I didn't even even think about wanting to see the quartet from the family room but another thing that you could think about is just arranging the instruments in such a way that people could see that sort of the focal point in the family room is looking into the music room and then you could arrange the seating to maximize that So, the priority in this music room is to give every instrument enough space so that it doesn't feel cramped, cluttered, or uncomfortable. And if you still have room after placing those instruments and the music stands throughout the space, add that seating as we suggested without worrying about blocking windows. But if you don't have room, don't hesitate to put the listeners in the family room to make that a gracious, wonderful space. And just be sure that you can peek at the musicians while you're in there let me get to your next question which is about window treatments you ask how would seating in front of the windows influence the window dressings curtains would be pretty and functional and they would serve as sound absorption I've attached some photos. Please ignore the construction debris. It's a labor of love and progress. Thanks in advance. And now I'm going to go back to binging your podcast, Monica. Yes, these 1905 windows are crying out for window treatments. Ideally, you would hang the window treatments so that they're not in the frame of the window as some of them are here. But rather, the hardware is hung higher than and outside the window frame. So that way you maximize the height and width of the windows while not encroaching on the natural light that they provide. I would recommend from the pictures that I see here, putting drapes, that's a drape on either side of every single window in this room, Not only will it soften the room and add a splash of color and give you that wonderful sound absorption you're looking for, but also it aligns with the architecture of the home. In 1905, they would definitely have put drapes on these windows. Monica, I hope that's helped. The only way that putting drapes on these windows will impact the seating is that you just need to move the piece of seating that's in front of the windows inside the room a little bit so that you can freely open and close those drapes without having it be scrunched behind the furniture. So it just means moving those pieces a couple of inches into the room. But even if you didn't have window treatments there, even if it was just a settee against a wall, I never like the furniture to be touching the wall. You always want one to three inches behind any piece of seating that you have at a minimum before you hit that wall. So things don't look so Tight And jammed in your space. Monica, I hope that helps. And while you're listening to my podcast, maybe you could send me some of your music. It sounds so delightful. And I would love to hear more from this chamber orchestra. I don't love it. Live in Southern California. And of course, with the traveling situation, I won't be going anywhere anytime soon, but I would love to hear your music. So send me, send me a song. All right, let's move to my next question, which comes from Kim. Kim writes, hi Betsy. We are in the finishing stages of our new build and I have a question concerning the mirrors in our bathroom. I would like to DIY frames for both of these mirrors to create a more custom appearance. I plan on purchasing trim molding in a decorative pattern similar to the picture that I have attached. The bathrooms are the only rooms in the whole house that have all chrome finishes with the exception of the kitchen faucet. All the other Hardware in our house and the lighting is in antique bronze. In one of your podcasts, you talked about how it's okay to mix warm and cool metals. Well, hold on here. Hold on. I hope you were listening carefully, Kim. So my question is: can I paint the frames in oil rub bronze to give a nod to the finishes in the rest of the home? Or should I keep them in the silver family and paint them in a metallic silver with perhaps a bit of antique glaze? The decor throughout our house will be French country farmhouse with twalls and coordinating patterns and primarily black, gray, and white with pops of red and other warm hues to soften. What are your thoughts? I have lots of thoughts, Kim, but first things first, let's set something straight. You misheard me when I said it is okay to mix warm and cool metals. That is not the case. Let me be very clear. Cool metals belong with cool metals. You can mix pewter, nickel, chrome. You can mix satin silver. All those can be mixed together. You may not mix them with warm metals. Warm metals being gold, brass, copper, oil-rubbed bronze. You may mix warm metals with black metals. Black metals meaning wrought iron. Painted black metal, things like that. So now that we're clear on that, let's talk about the bathroom. If the bathroom features cold metal finishes or cool metals, then you need to keep any metals that you add here cool. That means that if you were going to paint the trim around your mirror in a metallic finish, it would need to be a cool metal metallic. But there's so much metal in here already, from the towel ring to the towel bar to the light fixtures to the faucet to the handles. There is just a ton of silver going on in here. Would you consider having the frame be black? Would you consider having this frame that you add be a color, maybe a gray? I think that would not only work well with your modeled gray and white countertops, but I think it would also help to shut down the metal factory that we've got going on. Remember, Design is all about contrast. And if you've already used a lot of metal in a space, if you've already used a lot of wood because the vanity cabinet is wood, if you've already used a lot of stone because the top of this vanity appears to be sort of a marble type, well, then you're going to want to choose a different contrasting material for the trim around the mirror. I hope that helped. And I also hoped it helped to correct one of the fallacies in your email, because as you continue to design the rest of your home, I want you to stay on point, Kim. All right, let's move to my next question from Jessica. Jessica writes, hi, Betsy. I have enjoyed your podcast and I learn a lot from you. Thank you. I have a dining room with cabinets that run along the wall. I have a round tulip table that is not directly under the chandelier. The chandelier is directly in the center of the room, but with the cabinets, I can't place the table in the center under the chandelier because it would be too close to the cabinet and the chairs would not be able to be pulled out. Should I have the electrician Move the chandelier over a couple of inches, or should I change the table to a rectangular or oval table? Thank you so much for your help, Jessica. Jessica, your instinct is right that you cannot have a chandelier over the table that is not centered, right? The chandelier, if it is hung over a table, needs to be centered. That being said, a chandelier is a piece over a table that would be low in relationship to the table. And by low, I mean from the top of the table to the bottom of the chandelier or the fixture, 29 to 32 inches. Now this piece doesn't need to serve as a chandelier. It could serve as an overhead light, right? It could be very close to the ceiling you could eliminate the cord that drops down and make it more of a flush mount or a semi-flush mount fixture. And when you do that, well, it makes perfect sense that this fixture would be centered in the room because it's an overhead light. It's no longer in relationship to the dining table. And that is exactly what I would do in this particular space. This space is small. So by moving this very broad, I mean, this fixture is probably 42 inches wide by moving this very broad fixture off center in the room. You're making it closer to that glass door. And I'm afraid that when you both move it over and when you move it down, it's going to start getting in people's ways. They're going to start hitting their head on this fixture. And that's going to be a problem with these exposed bulbs. I think you need to treat this as a flush mount. I think you keep that electrical box exactly where it is. Eliminate that cord. And it will also help to make sense because you have a lot of symmetrical things in this room. So even though the footprint of the room is not symmetrical due to those cabinets, you have windows that are symmetrical that are really requiring that you play with some of that symmetry and not change other architectural elements to make this one off center table look more formalized. That's the way I would design this space and I hope that's been helpful. Jessica, that was an easy one. Uh, I don't think you need to change that table even though just to continue. Uh, Because this is a rectilinear space, from what I can tell, typically an oval or rectilinear table would fit best. Circular tables belong in square spaces. And maybe once this was a square table, when or I'm sorry, a square room, when you didn't have the kitchen cabinets in there. But now that you do have the kitchen cabinets in there, the rules have changed. And this is a rectilinear room. So the circle feels a little bit off, but as long as you have between 24 and 36 inches to pull out your chair on every side, I'm not going to ask you to get a new table. I'm just going to ask that you not lower that fixture. Guys, it's been such a pleasure talking to you during these dark times. It is so nice to have a distraction to talk about beauty, to talk about making your home a place that you love even more than you already do. Send those questions to info at affordable interior design, and I will catch you next time. Bye. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends, or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.